Hello and welcome to another edition of The Tigers Down Under. I'm your host as always, Alex, and with me tonight I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Uh, good evening, Alex. It's good to be back. I'm doing well. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, it would have been nice if it was under uh, slightly better circumstances, but uh, the uh, the slide continues. Um, so before we jumped into the games that we've had over the last couple of days, because you haven't been on for a while, I thought I'd just get your take on, um, I guess, the season as a whole. Um started with a lot of promise, chances of playoffs, um, Bowen and Grizicki then sold and, and now the situation we're in. But but what's your take on it then and, and how do you see it panning out? I guess it's probably one of those seasons where you could talk about it being a, a tale of two halves in, in some respects uh, with, uh, I guess, the, the optimism that uh, seemingly did surround the place uh, not too long ago. Uh, certainly around Christmas where you still uh, well and truly thought that uh, promotion was was on the table and uh, you know we kept kind of nipping at the heels of the top six but uh, obviously since the Christmas break and um, with the obviously significant sales of Bowen and Grzycki and this terrible patch of form that we've been in at the moment it's really hard to see uh, what to find optimism in any aspects really <laughs> so uh, I guess the the I think it's nine games now without a win yeah. And that slide is extremely worrying considering we're right back in the thick of the relegation fight. And I guess the the game against Barnsley this morning summed that up and kind of made us realise that uh, if, if there was ever any doubt if we were uh, in that pack of relegation troubled teams, uh, I think the question's been answered that we certainly are. And it's going to be a very interesting uh, next few weeks as we seek to try and uh, keep our championship status. Western game that McCann would have said that, you know, we're not in a relegation fight, we're only four points off 12th, and um, I think after the Barnsley game, he's finally conceded that actually, yes, we are in a relegation fight. Uh, you know, it, it's a tough one, because I sort of looked at the table a while ago, when we were, I think, about 10 points ahead of Wigan, and thought, ah, oh, you know, there's half a dozen teams between us and the relegation pack, so, you know, even when you look at the points tally, it's not just that, it's also the amount of teams, because, you know, it's a big difference between if we were... 21st and Wigan were 22nd and Wigan were 10 points behind us it's just they just have to get 10 points to get ahead of us um, when there was all those teams it was also that although all of those teams had to get ahead of us and um, the number of teams between us in the relegation zone is sort of rapidly diminishing um, you look at the fact that in the last couple of games I think Luton have won three of their last four Wigan have won two in a row and uh, Barnsley have now won three in a row as well the latest coming against us so it's not also it's not it's not even just the fact that one or two of the teams in the bottom three is starting to pick up form it's that all three of them are really starting to get going so uh, very concerning only four points off the relegation places now um, it was two defeats you know probably a bit more of a promising display against Preston we did take the lead in the first half through Wilkes and to be honest I mean I, I want to get your take on on Wilkes as the signing so far because I think you know coming in he, he sort of struck me as someone that needed to get on that sort of run of games and and scoring and that confidence would sort of breed more confidence and I think when he started playing for us he was maybe a little bit unfit because he hadn't been playing for Barnsley and I think a few fans might have got on his back about that but you know he he, he was always going to be him and, and I guess Samuelson who also looked really impressive this morning were the two and, and I guess Madison as well the, the the players that had that sort of you know enthusiasm creativity and attacking drive that 
you know, if we could get one or two of them to really kick on, they were the big hope for rescuing our second half of the season, I guess. Yeah, and I guess you've already mentioned the fact that they are big hopes for rescuing our season. We're realising that we're not really spoilt for attacking options. I think that's probably understatement of the year in many respects. But yeah, as you mentioned, Wilkes is, wasn't playing regular first-team football for Barnsley, uh, who obviously were in the relegation positions as well. So for him to come in and, and somewhat hit the ground running for us, uh, it does seem like a, an unlikely goal scorer. But as you mentioned, he definitely has the, the attributes uh, to be one of those key players for the run-in. Uh, he has got a few goals, which has bred confidence. And I guess all the signs are there that there is uh, some potential in him as a player to uh, potentially score some really significant goals. And I guess when you're in a relegation uh, fight, it doesn't matter where they come from. But if you've got at least one or, or two uh, players who are frequently finding themselves in the goals, well, then you're a hope. Uh, and I don't think it really matters where they come from. But if it is coming from your, from your number nine or one of your regular attacking players, they, so long as they're getting minutes, we're a chance. It's a, it's a huge uh, find in the sense that he is an unlikely addition. Uh, but yeah, if he can if he can keep up the the kind of a prolific form that he has showed the last few weeks, then it will go some way to uh, securing our safety. Yeah, and definitely with the news that uh, Tom Eaves has now been ruled out for the season as well, which is pretty incredible. You look at our injury list and you look at our injury record, not just this season really, but probably. I'm thinking back, you know, almost as far as since I've been supporting City and, and I don't know, maybe beyond that as well. It just seems that as a club, we just have the most uh, you know, unfortunate run of injuries. And whether that's down to the conditions at the training ground, whether it's down to the fitness staff, I, I don't know what it is. But it just seems remarkable the amount of soft tissue injuries that we seem to be picking up, especially this season. Um, I think uh, Madison and uh, Terrell went off uh, in the first, uh, you know, just after half time, I think it was both supposedly with injuries. Um, Terrell's now confirmed as that injured. Burke and Device also apparently injured again. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, Eve's out for the season. So um, Wilkes now really becoming a really important player for us in that attacking third, but a huge concern for the for the fitness of the entire squad, really. Yeah, exactly. And this question was uh, pitched to Ehab, actually, in the interview. And uh, he that question did actually centre around it does it concern him that the players that we have picked up and there seems to be this worrying trend in city's injury ranks and it's it's not just the uh, something that's reminiscent of this season but it's rather something that has occurred uh, quite frequently over the last few years uh, i think jordy device is one of those players to me that we realize how critical he is in the city setup and when he is anchoring our defense we look a, a totally different side but it's no secret that he has had some when you've got key players like him missing for a relegation fight uh, yeah that's exactly right it, it does leave a lot to the imagination I mean Ehab's response was that uh, they've been looking at the data and they are now starting to uh, recruit players that are younger and don't have those extensive uh, injury uh, records but I, I guess I'm uh, yet to be convinced of yeah, that. Yeah, I laugh because, of course, uh, we picked up Scott uh, from, uh, was it Motherwell? And I think it was, you know, an unblemished injury record. And, of course, 
I think it was the second that he stepped on the pitch at, at the city training ground and he twisted his ankle and is out for the season. So I, I think, you know, Ehab can say what he wants about trying to recruit players with good injury records. But you look at um, Madison, uh, you look at Eves, these are players that we've recruited this season um, and they're also struggling for injuries as well. So I think there's got to be more to it than that. I think whether it's a, a question of McGann's uh, playing style, expecting the players to be running a lot harder than they're able to, whether it's a question of the fitness staff and whether they're, you know, or the medical staff, whether they're rehabilitating players properly, I, I, I don't know what it is. But, you know, as you say, I mean, it's it's gone back a number of years now. You look back at the Bruce days when we got relegated from the Premier League and um, I really would have thought at the time the Alums would have looked at the fact that injuries cost us so severely that season and put a whole heap of effort into um, improving our data around uh, rehabilitation from injuries, about playing time, managing minutes, all of that sort of thing. But it's just the same old story. So it's just I, I really don't know what the answer is. And, and you know, of course, I, I think with Dan, I was saying last week, we've also had our share of just horrendous luck. You look at Snodgrass's dislocated um, knee, you look at Bullard, you look at... Um, even, um, well, as I said, Scott this season, um, of course, uh, Angus McDonald with cancer. These these are sort of the freak accidents, but, you know, even the freak accidents seem to happen more often than not for us. So uh, it's a very concerning one. Um, yeah, uh, I, I laughed as you said that as well because yeah. I even forgot about uh, Norbert uh, Bella. Oh, of course, who, yeah. Him as well. Who we can add to that list is uh, innocuous injuries of people who kind of found themselves hurt before they even really got playing. Yeah, absolutely. And... I guess um, I guess the other angle that we need to look at, and I sort of alluded to it before with uh, McGann's comments after the Preston game, but questions kind of need to start to be asked about his position as well. And and I'm I'm firmly in the camp of I I think he's doing the best he can with the players available. But in saying that, you have to look at the fact it's a nine-game winless run. He's sort of denied being in a relegation fight up until this point. He uh, potentially hasn't been using the... I mean, the fact that we were sitting off Barnsley at home against the bottom side in the division can't be just the players being nervous. It's got to have been some sort of... Whether he was saying, look, we're going to sit off and we're going to hit them on the counter. At home to the bottom side, you've got to be on the front foot. You've got to be dominating possession. You've got to be dominating the chances. And I think it was 14 shots to one at half time. So you can't put that all down to the players and and I've got to ask you know what what's your opinion on his managerial stint on, on his tenure at the club do you think he's sort of living on borrowed time to an extent or, or do you think he'll see out the season in, in order to answer that question Alex I believe we've even going to go back uh, further down the track and I think we're looking down the, the barrel of something ridiculous I, I think I read that this is maybe Hull's uh, eighth manager in nine years yeah. or something like and we have to consider in that time period Steve Bruce has uh, been responsible for a large chunk of, of, of that uh, period anyway yeah. so it, we can isolate it and talk about McCann whether he is uh, fit, for, fit for work at City at the moment but Realistically, we've got a cultural problem which everybody's aware of in the fact that we're trying to plug holes all the time and get managers to come in and kind of lead or um, you know facilitate this rebuild. And there's only so many times you can rebuild. I think that we looked at the, um, the under Nigel Atkins and we looked mm. at the job he did and he really seemed to build some kind of uh, belief and sense of culture in the club of this attacking brand that Ahab talks so strongly about what <laughs> 
and how much of a shift it was. We had that in Adkins, and then for whatever reason, they didn't go above and beyond to make sure that that contract happened because they couldn't assure him the guarantees he was looking for. So as as a, a fan group, the, obviously the concerns and questions just have to continue to be asked is, what's going to happen if we, McCann gets the sack? Who's the next progression? Yeah. Because it's probably going to be uh, another low-league manager that they're going to find who's going to give it a chance to. They're going to inherit a essentially a League One squad for, for championship survival. And, uh, I mean, I read an, the article that Swanee put out as well that talks about how uh, the amount of games and we need to buy, allow these players times to adjust because a lot of the my League One players with championship experience when we're coming from a time period where it was Premier League players with championship experience as well. So I guess the players we were losing were Huddleston, Davies, guys who were Premier League uh, pedigree who kind of uh, played championship games and then got shipped off for, for small fees. So I, if not McCann, I'm not sure. You are right that he is in a position where, uh, you know, nine games without a result, uh, without a win, sorry, is uh, is very testing. But I just don't see a progression from him. So I think that he's probably going to be safe um, on the grounds that there's not really anyone else that I, I believe that the Alums would show the intent to go out and get. No, no, I completely agree. And I think you're right to look at the fact that over this spell of, I guess it's basically since we were promoted to the Premier League in 2016, I want to say it was. No, it would have been, was it 2017? I always get my years wrong. Basically, the season got promoted under Bruce and he walked away. From that point on, we've had Phelan, Silva, Slutsky, Adkins and uh, McGann. And you just look at the you look at the squad, and basically the core of that squad was the squad that Bruce built. Bruce put together, and we've sort of slowly bled that dry. Slowly, you know, sold off the assets and made a bit of money. Brought in arguably championship quality players, and our attention slowly slipped further and further down into now League One players, and even to the point of recruiting a good, you know, reasonable League One manager. And, and and you know the old adage is you know you're recruiting League One players you'll end up in League One and you know there's always there's always exceptions to that you look at Sheffield United and how they've done but it, the, the 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 common theme of any successful side as you say is it's building that belief building that togetherness and the commitment and and the belief in the cause and um, I saw on Twitter today someone making the, the reasonable point you know not completely accurate that a lot of these players are out of contract in the summer and therefore have no motivation to play for City and. While that's not entirely true, because a lot of them do have one-year contract clause extension triggers in, in the club's favour, so we could re-sign Irvine, Terrell, Stewart, etc. The truth is, yeah, a lot of them probably will walk away. Terrell, with his injury record, I don't think we will get a new deal. Uh, Stewart as well, I've heard, is on the fence, which is a little bit surprising. I thought we'd be keen to keep him around, but... There are a few players where maybe they look at the situation and say, where's the motivation to try it? There's eight, 9,000 in the crowd each week. There's, you know, no sort of uh, sense of, of, of desire or ambition from the owners because they've sold our two best players. And what, what are the players really fighting for if, if not for, you know, I guess their own pride is really what, what should be motivating them. But um, at the end of the day, as you say, it's not really McGann's fault that the club is slowly bleeding off these players. And, he is trying to do the best with what he's got. And, and uh, look, you know, it's a really tough game coming up, which we'll touch on in a second. But it's just, you know, we've got to roll up our sleeves and really get stuck into it. And I have to hope that losing to Barnsley is that wake-up call that we needed. And, you know, it's now McGann's now acknowledging we're in a relegation fight. The players are going to have to start acknowledging it. And they're really going to have to focus and, and try and pull us out. 
Absolutely. And the question I have for you, Alex, is whereabouts are the, the leaders in this playing group? Who are yeah. the, I guess, the key figures that are the, the people that, who are going to stand up and kind of take the season by the horns? Because, you know, we're talking about players in the past under the Bruce, um, the Bruce era. We had a lot of leaders in that playing group. You had your Curtis Davies. You, it's, it, it doesn't even matter. You know. start. Even players like David Myler, they're yeah. just extremely capped. And they're the, although they're not always exactly the most celebrated of players, they have that experience and they have the ability to, to lead a team and to respond after you have a, you know, a disappointing result, which we all know that's you know, one of the things that has to be synonymous with a championship season is you have to be able to dust yourself off and go again two or three days later because if you dwell on the result, you find yourself in a, in a slump, which is obviously what we're experiencing at this point in time. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean, look, and, and I guess the concerning thing is that you can't even pinpoint a particular area of the pitch. It's not, you know, the midfield is concerning because it doesn't really gel. We, we seem to be constantly changing our, our shape in midfield. Our attack is pretty much non-existent at the moment. It seems to just be Magenis, and especially with Eves now out injured. Um, and the defence. I mean, the, def- the, the the one real leader when you ask that question that I would point to is Geordie Device. And, and he seems to be that natural sort of leading centre-back who, you know, almost in that, you know, Van Dyke mould or that sort of thing. And I think he's been compared to him before for in terms of his importance in the side. But he seems to be that and that drive and he can pull the side together. And it's really unfortunate how injury-prone he seems to be this season because, because of his importance. And that's right, and obviously we, as uh, as Australians, we enjoy the fact that we know that Jackson Irvine has a championship captaincy gig. And whilst I'm, uh, I celebrate that, and I think it's a great thing for for him uh, moving forward, and certainly in his career. Uh, when Jackson Irvine signed for the club for about two million pounds, I believe, I was excited by the fact that we had Jackson Irvine at the club, but. I guess the questions that we were asking was, was Jackson Irvine going to be able to hold his spot in the team? What was he going to look like in this attack and things like that? And now you look to him in a very short time since he signed and he is one of the the key figures that kind of make that up. And it's just, it's amazing to to me with no disrespect to to Jackson, how highly he's viewed in in the rank of the team in such a short time, given the fact that it's probably coincided with a digression in the caliber of players in some aspects. Well, the, um, the amazing thing is he's almost one of our longest serving players now, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, which is reflective of the times and um, just kind of highlights to us the transition period that we are going in that it's probably even come a little bit too soon for him in, in the way he views it yeah. because of all these changes he's been forced to kind of deal with and they've just kept bumping him up the ranks in into this kind of leadership role. Um, and, you know, what we do, we, we wish him all the best and hope that he is able to, to galvanise this team. But, uh, yeah, there's some huge concerns over the actual leadership group that, that does exist at Hull. And, hey, look, we're optimistic that one will emerge. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hey, at least we've got an easy game next. Um, we'll look ahead to that game now. And it is, of course, against Leeds, um, probably biggest rivals in the division. And, and our very own Mitch uh, is over in, in England and will be at that game. So I'm going to try and chat to him after the game, um, maybe a day after the game, just to get his thoughts on his first experience watching City at the KCOM. I'm praying for him that it's not a drubbing uh, all the signs sort of point to Leeds really doing one on us because they, uh, they've they started to pick their form back up. They they sort of did their customary January-February choke and they really looked like they were going to drop out of those uh, automatic spots, which was, of course, always the uh, the, the hope. But they've, uh, they've pulled it together now. They've got three wins in a row 
uh, and they're looking a lot more solid. I, I guess the one sort of bit of hope that I'd cling to is looking at their result against Middlesbrough this morning. Um, by all reports, they really did not play well at all. They were really sort of brought down to Middlesbrough's level. And if they're going to get brought down to their opposition's level, they're going to be awful on Saturday night against us. Um, early game, televised over here in Australia, which makes it a bit more accessible for everyone. So, um, look, you know, I, I sort of look at the game and I sort of view it as it's a free hit now, which is, is kind of weird to say when we're in such a tenuous position. But when you're sort of going into a game with as bad form as we have against the side playing as well as Leeds, you sort of go in with no hope of a result. And, you know, maybe that maybe that loosens up the players. Maybe they won't be as worried as they were against a Barnsley. Um, you know, you see it before when we were fighting relegation and we would lose to Sunderland but beat Liverpool or, or a side like that. So it does sometimes happen. Players do have that sort of funny mental block sometimes. Um, and, you know, you've just got to hope if we can get some sort of result against Leeds, maybe it'll spur us on. Um, maybe it's just a matter of hoping we can get through the weekend without getting too much of a damage to our goal difference and hoping the sides below us lose. But well, ha- how are you looking ahead to it? Look, I think we've we've done everything we can on our end. Sending our boy Mitch over there. I think yeah. he, will, he will be the good luck charm uh, for us and on, on Saturday morning, I believe, our time. And I think that uh, I always had this feeling when I was over there that the team was a better chance of winning if you were there on a on a, a, a trip and finally got to, to see one of the games. Is obviously following Hull from this side of the world, we, we're not always privileged to, to go and see the games. But I think that uh, by Mitch being there, I think it increases our chances by about 70% of getting a result. Look, so Look, you make a great point. Um, I'll point out my first game over there at Hull was against Liverpool where we won 3-1. And then when I think both yourself and I were in attendance against Fulham, uh, 6-0, you know, twice as much Australian good luck. Uh, we had I had another friend who was over there against Stoke last season. I think we won 2 nils. So there is something in the uh, Aussie good luck charm. So I think uh, I think absolutely Mitch can uh, Mitch can do the magic and get get do you know get get the result for us. Will be fantastic. Um, a magic man. Let's back him in. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to call it. I think it's going to be the the upturn in the season that we need. And I think that we might sneak a as you mentioned a very scrappy a scrappy result. I think the quality of the game will be poor and we'll bring Leeds back to uh, the current level we're playing at. And I think we might uh, sneak, sneak at 1-0 and you'll probably find Mitch uh, lost at a, a pub in Hull somewhere. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's why I, I did say to him, look, you know, if I can't catch him after the game, uh, which I don't expect I would be able to, I'll try and catch him the day after because I suspect after the game he'll either be drowning his, his miseries or he'll uh, be celebrating a fantastic result. Um in terms of in terms of personnel, in terms of lineup, is there any sort of major changes that you'd like to see to the side? I guess obviously with um, Terrell, Burke, and Device potentially all missing, um, that's three players to replace. I, I thought I thought Stewart and Lopez looked pretty solid in midfield together today, so um, I thought that was quite promising. Um, I guess you know obviously Wilkes to, to fit back into the side, um, and I guess uh, I guess what McLaughlin and Pennington at centre back. Yeah, a lot of questions around our defence. And clearly, if you're going to be uh, versing, well, not the league leaders, uh, they're in, in second at the moment, I believe, yep. uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, look, uh, whenever you're, you're hosting a team that's flying that high on the ladder, uh, your defence is probably the most important thing. So, obviously, we have to wait and see what un, uh, what unfolds from the injury report this morning. And if all hands are on deck, I think that's probably the biggest questions that we need answered uh, for the team lineup. And if uh, Burke and Device are fit, that gives us a, a far greater chance of, of being able to 
uh, pull something out of the hat. Absolutely. So going with a 1-0 scrappy win, um, I, I'll probably try and go with something similar. Knock on wood, we can get um, get a result against Leeds. At the end of the day, I think even a draw or a slim loss is uh, enough of a confidence boost from my point of view uh, for that one. But uh, thank you for joining me, Logan. Uh, not a problem. It's good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And hopefully we weren't too uh, too depressed or too down in the dumps after a, a couple of poor results. Hopefully we can find a few silver linings, find a few things to get optimistic about and uh, and look ahead to a you know pretty intense, pretty exciting, I guess, end to the season. But until next week, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group. Or follow us on Twitter, at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. This is on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back, cause you're Amber and Black till you die.